Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. So one day we were all settling down to go to bed and we're, you know, I'm kind of getting comfortable. It's cold out and like, I wish it was cold like right now. Like it is so hot right now. But like this story is like, it was cold. I was like snuggling up in the covers. We had the fire going. And then all of a sudden we hear this noise and we're like, wait, what? What is that? Like, that's not supposed to be like, and he got into the car. Like, I have no idea how he got into the car, but then all of a sudden there's like this jumping around and he took my Starbucks cup and like flew, flew it around and like, we're just like, what the heck? How did he get out and into the car like this? It was just this crazy phenomenon. And all of a sudden like started like, like just bouncing, just bouncing on the, on the, the, the seat covers. And then like, I somehow got to pull one of them up. Like, I don't know what was happening, but wait, have you guys ever like been in the middle of a story? And you're, you kind of think you know what they're talking about, but you came into it late. And then all of a sudden you're like, I think I know what he's talking about, but I'm not quite exactly sure. And then they ask you a question. You're like, Have, don't, don't you know? Haven't you experienced that? And you're like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, it's one thing when, like, a preschooler says that to you, and you're just, you kind of like, okay, then they go off to the next story, and, like, you're like, I don't actually know what they were talking about at all. <laughs> like, um, it's another one. It's like a, co- a coworker or whatever, and you're like... I think I'm supposed to know more than I do right now, and I'm stuck. Like, okay, yes, sure. Wait, t- can you expand a little bit more on this story? <laughs> like my story, it would be a little different if it's a it's my toddler, my boy as a toddler getting into the car. It'd be another story if maybe the context actually was it was a dog that got into the car and do it. It's a whole different one if it's a grizzly bear or sorry, a black bear that got like two of them that got into the into the the suburban of my family up in Tahoe. It was the for, the last. <laughs> it was it was the like a crazy story for our family when we like woke up and all of a sudden there was like two black bears that had gotten into the car. They had figured out how to open it um, and got like and t- totally like tore up the whole thing. It was crazy. Um, but like the idea of those stories or those moments where somebody starts talking about something and you kind of know what's going on, but maybe you feel like you maybe you missed something. Like there's something in that story, one bit of context or one little info, like whatever it might be. Like, like th- there's this dynamic within communication that I feel often like we get stuck in and we have to then respond and kind of figure out what's going on. Well, today I want to explore that and really kind of want to share one illustration that was handed to me that has been super helpful that I still actually struggle with. Um, but when I understand this principle, this thing about life and communication, it has transformed the way I've gone about things with my family, with coworkers and all the like. And then the spiritual truth that I think could be very helpful um, that God really speaks into us, especially as church people, those that are trying to follow Jesus and the words and the way that he wants us to live. Um, and so that's what we're going to do today. Um, all the second part of wordplay, talking about others. Um, and again, I, f- I hadn't met you. My name's Nate. Hi. <laughs> I am the family pastor around here. I get to help speak into what goes on for kids and students and young adults and kind of sit alongside of Adam, the campus pastor here, as what we do together to kind of form everything that happens on this campus. And Adam and Gretchen, his wife, who was just up on the screen, uh, they're away at Tennessee, like jumping in lakes. And if you follow them on social media, it is awesome, like hilarious to see Tegan and Zeke like fishing and swinging on uh, ropes and like into the water and, and, and they're having a really good time. And this, they had... 
Gretchen and Adam got a weekend away, but now this is whole family being able to get away. And so um, I get to share with you guys this morning. And so let's dive in. You guys ready? So I think there's something about communication that like we just don't always understand that we sometimes come across the wrong way. And, and others do the same thing too. And, and I, I, I have a picture that I want to show you. So Morrison, can you come on out here and help me? Um, this is the best way that I've come to understand this dynamic. And I'm going to pull these things out and put this right about here. So the way that communication is happens all the time is you have a sender, like me, somebody that's trying to get a message over to my buddy Morrison, right? And so I've got my message right here. The issue is oftentimes like I have this thing I want to communicate to my buddy Morrison and I have to encode that message in a text, in an email, in a Facebook post or in calling him or a tech, whatever it might be. I've got to encode it in some form of language or something that I then send to him and I encode it in something that then that message travels over to him and he's got to then decode that thing to then be like to receive like what is, what is it that you were saying? And oftentimes though we have these like filters that's in the middle of like, I have a way of communicating my personality, my attitude, the words I use and all of that. And I'm, I'm trying to send a message over to him. Man, these things are dirty. <laughs> like, can you see that? <laughs> that is dirty. Um, okay. So like, I'm trying to send this message over to him, but this is what happens in life. I have this thing that I intend, but often there's this stuff that gets in the way, either on my end of how I encode the message that that then gets translated over to him, or on his end, where then he then just like receives it a certain way. But there are these two filters. And also there's all this noise that then gets thrown in there, like a whole rainstorm whirlwind of life circumstances and all that kind of stuff. And also communication is not just the words. Like, I don't know if you've heard this or researched it a little bit. Like, there's, there's so many different layers and components to the message that I would encode and translate. It's the words that I use, but it's also the nonverbal stuff, right? It's the, the other things that you don't see on somebody's face or their posture uh, that, that gets encoded into that message. But it's also the actual tone, the actual attitude that then gets into it into that message that gets translated. And he has his own set of all of those kinds of things. And it's interesting, like, there's a lot of different studies, but, like, one of them shows, like, 7% of, like, of language communication is the words itself. And then, like, 55% was nonverbal, and 38% is the vocal, the actual, like, verbal, like, attitude, you know, like, all of that kind of stuff. Like, for whatever it is, and there's some others that cite different numbers, but usually the number for, like, the actual words is, like, way low. And everything else is like what gets added into the communication. But here's a problem. If I say like, hey, Morrison, like you've got something on your beard, <laughs> like right there, like right there. If I say that, but I, it gets encoded with some extra attitude or element, like, well, maybe if it was like, say my wife over there, like, you know, and I wake up in the morning and I just haven't had my cup of coffee yet or my two cups of coffee. Like I did this a little while ago. I was in a great season of waking up early like way early, like a couple hours before her. And I would, so I was already awake. So by the time she saw me, I was like fully awake. And then there was that moment where I slept in. And so I'm like groggy and I'm like, hey, good morning, honey. And she's like, are you okay? 
like, are, 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 you, are you, you okay? Like, I, I don't know what I said or how I said what I said, but I guess she took it as, like, I was just mad or angry at her. Like, but I, I guess my face just did not show that I was just like, good morning, like, because of just how groggy that I was and we were starting to get up for the day and all that kind of stuff. But this is the dynamic that happens all the time, everywhere we go, with every bit of communication. It also happens with God and us. God has this thing that he wants to communicate to us, and he has to choose certain things in order to translate that truth, that that message then gets translated to us, and then based on our own filter, our way of decoding whatever we see through there, we then receive a certain message. And the difficulty is when you receive a message that is far different and, than what was intended. And I think we all know this, that our ability to receive words and messages and truths has a whole lot to do with how we say that. How we choose to encode those messages and decode those has so much to play into how we then receive a truth. Thanks, Morrison. You can go back. <laughs> Thank you, man. This is something that I've seen at play time and time again, even this last week, of just having a couple different conversations with different people, and it stemmed from, like, the issues and the tension stemmed from one person had one set of expectations of what they thought was happening or should happen, and another person had a whole different set of expectations of how they thought things were happening, and neither one of them were communicating and truly understanding and seeing each other. There is this play, this thing at work of this message of truth that I think wants to come across, or we get caught up in the middle of it too, or we say things and we're like, well, wait, that's not exactly what I meant. But the damage has already been done. The message has been sent and it's received in a certain way, and then it, in some cases, has caused a rift. It's caused things in ourselves or in others that has just made the communication that much harder, that much more difficult. There was a guy in the Bible that learned this, like, the hard way. God like had this set up this guy to go deliver a message and to use him in mighty, amazing ways. And time and time again, he would mess up um, where he thought he was supposed to communicate the, the truth of the thing. And sometimes he would get a little emotional and use his own filter and just say, I got this. I'm going to do it. And his name was Moses. Moses often would do this where he would be, to be told by God, hey, I need you to go help the people. I need you to go help do this thing. And oftentimes, Moses would get stuck with like these, these crazy, well, like people around him <laughs> that he has to deal with and as he's trying to help them. One of those was in Numbers 20. And I want to read a, a little bit of this. This is a, a, a story where Moses has all the people gathered and they're like, they're thirsty. Like the water's dried up, they're traveling, they're on the edge of the promised land. They, they can't get in yet and they're thirsty. Like all the water's dry, dried up. And the people start arguing and complaining like they regularly do. As soon as something dries up, they're like, hey, life is gone. Like I don't know what to do with this. And so they complain to Moses and Aaron uh, and they, they ask for water. And so Moses and Aaron, rightly so, they go to God. They, they, go, they go to the meeting place with God, and they, they lay face, face down. They're like, God, help us. What do we do? And God tells them, okay, I want you to go to this rock, talk to the rock, and it's going to give enough water for everybody, all the livestock, all the people, like thousands, millions of people, like they're going to have enough water. Just go to it and talk calmly, and it'll be fine. But Moses, well, this is what it says. So, so Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather to the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? 
Then Moses raised his, his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out, so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. <laughs> Listen, you rebels. <laughs> Have you ever been, like, fed up with, like, your own kids at times? You're just like, quiet, stop. And he's like, something comes out. You, re you realize after the moment, you're like, maybe I added a little extra emotion or tension to that moment or whatever. Like, this, I could totally see him as a parent, like, going, it's like, quiet, kids, shut up. Like, I, I got this. Like, just here, you're, you're hungry? Eat, eat this. Like, and I don't want that. I don't want this. It's like, just eat. Like, uh, you, 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 like I could totally picture this. <laughs> But that's not what God told him to do. God had guided Moses, I want you to go to the rock and speak plainly. But he doesn't. He goes to it, he shouts at the people, you rebels, and strikes the, the rock twice, which is something that had happened before. God had told him at one other point to take his staff and strike the rock once, and then water would come out. That had happened before. I think Moses struggles with the emotion and the, the, the pressure of all the people, and he just is like, I'm, I, I'm fed up like, with this. Well, let me add, actually, back one other component of that communication. So what the other piece of nonverbal vocal and words is that there's, if we can, grow in understanding context, clusters, and congruence. That the idea of context, of understanding like, okay, there's a certain context happening around the person. There's other components of their life that are happening at that any given moment. And like to understand that helps us to uh, like glean the right message from the other person. Um, congruence, that's the idea that like their face shows what they are saying. <laughs> like, like me waking up, like being all tired and groggy or whatever, like that, that doesn't match my words of saying, hey, sweetie, I love you. <laughs> like, there's this, having congruence is good, like if it doesn't look good, like we need to be careful with that. But if we understand that maybe there's a mismatch between what they're intending and how they're looking, it can help us to really understand what's going on. The other is clusters. It's taking these, um, the idea of like multiple comp like components, instead of just taking one thing, we take multiple uh, things that they're saying. So sometimes we might react to any one thing that is said, but if we take it, like the, the cluster of like all of their life, or all of that week, or all of the conversation, and really try to like, have a little sense of grace, we might understand things a little differently instead of just reacting. Moses, right before this part that I read, here's what it says. This, all this happened in the first month of the year. The whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While there, Miriam died and was buried. Miriam is his sister, the sister that saved him. When Moses was like born and gonna like all the Israel kids were rounded up to be killed because of the prophecy and other stuff, like like Moses' mom sent him down the river, and it was uh, the Pharaoh's daughter that that found him. But it was Miriam that right away inserted herself and risked her life to connect with the Pharaoh's daughter to then save Moses. She had just passed away, and he had a barrier. And right after that death then Moses is having to deal with another thing, with all the people complaining. And I could say this, was like, isn't this our lives? Isn't this what happens? There's these things that add on to the thing that is happening right in front of us. We're trying to have this conversation with our spouse. We're trying to have this conversation with our kids or our coworker. But it's not just the one thing. There's all these other things. There's all this other context that is going on that we're having to deal with that is fed into this one moment. If you did actually take like the cluster of all the things around us and put those together, you would understand 
maybe how you're responding and why you are saying the things you're saying the way you are. Maybe that's what's speaking to the congruence or the lack thereof. But wouldn't it be better if there was a little bit more congruence, a little bit more integrity in like the way that we intend something and that it actually is received that way? I think understanding the principle of communication can help us, but also understanding what God wants us to do, how he wants to develop us and grow us into something better. In, in Proverbs, it talks about this, that, that gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words makes tempers flare. There's a big difference between telling someone the truth because you love them and telling them the truth in a loving way. You can say something, but if it's said in this disgruntled, like, anger-filled, like, like, tension-filled thing, that thing doesn't land in a way that, like, people can receive. It gets deflected. But a gentle answer, like one that is communicated with love and care and compassion, well, that is easier to be received. I talk about it regularly with our kids and student leaders about this idea that the depth of relationship is amplified by the truth, sorry, is amplifies the truth of the message. The depth of the relationship amplifies the truth of the message. It's the idea that truth is truth, but there's something that happens when you connect it with relationship that that truth gets amplified. I can watch some crazy, silly video or like an inspiring video from a pastor, right? Like, and it's like, oh, that's great, that's cool. But if my dad or my mom or a mentor of mine sits me down and in a loving tone says, hey, Nate, like, I see this stuff in your life and I want you to be careful. That truth is amplified in my life because of the care and the love of the relationship. I think there's something at work that God regularly teaches about relationship that is meant to be built out in the church for us to receive truth. And we have to understand the dynamic of the two filters, both of the encoding and the decoding when it comes to relationship and truth-telling. There's a big difference between telling someone the truth because you love them and telling them the truth in a loving way. There's this passage where Paul, this leader in the early church, was trying to help guide different groups of people. And he was trying to say some things that they could then learn and glean from. And he writes this little passage in Ephesians, this letter to this church in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. And he says this, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. I think we're broken. If, can I speak some truth that, I, that for me I've been feeling as a church leader? I think we as the church are broken. We are not what God intended to be as a people. There's little elements of it happening all over the place but it's not all of what it meant, was meant to be. I think there's some component of how we are meant to be the body, connected with one another, interconnected with one another in relationship, that, allowed, that allows us to be fully mature and grow into Christ, to be more like Christ. And it, I think the way is to speak the truth in love. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every more every way, more and more like Christ. I want to be like Christ. Like when I see him and what he dealt with, how he like handled 
accusations and, and how he banded together brothers and sisters like, and, and built a community of love and care that supported one another. Like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be like Jesus. So how do I do that? I need to figure out how to speak the truth in love and in so grow to be like Christ. You see, right before this, he's talking about how then there will be no longer those that are immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about, about like every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us into lies and they so clever that, that, that blah, cannot talk fully, uh, to try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. There's this stuff at work in our culture, in our lives, that it does sometimes feel like I'm being blown around, <laughs> like I'm being tossed around like by life. And sometimes there's also things that are happening, even with friends or coworkers, that feel like it's kind of truth, but it kind of feels hurtful. And there's some stuff that gets mixed up in the emotion, the tension of the moment that I'm just like, oh, and I'm not better for it. And it feels like what he's describing there. So he's saying, instead, instead of that stuff, I want you to speak the truth in love, grow in every way more and more like Christ. I wonder if you were to ask other people around you, closest to you or even some a little removed, what effect does the way I talk to you have on you? How would they answer? If you were to be honest and open enough to ask that question to somebody, what would they say about the way in which you speak truth and love or the way that you just are around other people? And if maybe it's not like Jesus, maybe be willing to receive that truth but again, like it comes across way better in the context of the relationship. How many of you have ever like you recognize something about somebody else? You know something about their attitude or their character, and you or you and you say something like, "Somebody's got to tell them about that. Some somebody's got to do something about that. Like that they, that cannot keep on going. Like somebody, you rec somebody else. Like not me. Like I'm not the one to do that. Like somebody else has got to be the one to talk to them about that thing. Like can can like can you do go do deal with that? Like I wonder if maybe we're not everything we're meant to be because we haven't learned how to effectively in love share some of those truths. Share some of those things that we see in each other, about each other, in a way that is for each other. Not in a way to tear each other down, but to build each other up. That's what he describes, what Paul describes in this letter about the body, that we are meant to be interconnected like bones and ligaments and tissues and tendons, how the body is woven together and meant to be one thing plays into the another. When everybody does their part, you are better for it. And I wonder if we have lost some sense of connection with other people in a way that we are better because of that. And I think it comes down to, a lot of times, how we talk to other people. And if you're on one side and you see something about a friend or you see something about a brother and a sister, I wonder if we could take some moments and pray and ask, like, God, I want to communicate this truth, but I want to try to do it in a way that they're going to receive it and try to understand and empathize with them and where they're at and just take a moment and then have the courage and the compassion to speak up. And I think as a church, if we could do that a little bit more, that we'd be better for it. Our communities, we'd be better for it. Cities, this nation would be better for it. But it's made up of all of us individually. This message is not just for the pastor. This is for every single one of us. If you were to ask somebody, 
What effect does the way I talk to you have on you? What would they say? And I hope you hear me say this. I don't want you to, to, to draw in and shame of recognizing maybe you're not everything you're supposed to be. I want to invite you to just sit with that and recognize you've got a God that loves you and cares for you and wants something better for you. And the way forward is learning to build relationships in a way that you can speak truth with, with each other. Small groups or growth groups, that's one component of it. But it doesn't just have to be what we do as a part of our church, like our men's group on Wednesday nights or the, the mom's group on Wednesday night or the young adult ladies like on a couple different nights. And uh, It doesn't have to be those. It can just be the people that you were already around, learning how to communicate with each other a little differently. And try it. Experiment with it. And here's one psalm I want to give you as a, a, guiding, a, a guiding thing to help you along the way. Psalm 19, 14 says this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I think it starts with our relationship with God, of recognizing that he's your Lord and he's your rock. Like he's the source of the water that's gonna give you life. And you gotta go to him, talk to him, and recognizing that out of that love of what he has for you, you then respond to others around you in love and learn to speak truth. That the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart is pleasing to God. I am starting to learn how to step into this a little bit better. I'm still definitely not great at it. But there's a shift in my heart that I would say has happened over the last three years where I feel compelled in moments to say something. Like, and I can't describe it other than a there's this compulsion, that there's this drive inside of me that is not me, but I feel led to say something in certain moments to certain people, and it's out of love, and it scares me <laughs> because I realize the risk that I'm taking when I put that thing out there to that person. But there's a shift that's happened in me, and, and it stems from this kind of prayer, God, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I want to invite you to pray that this week, to just analyze your own heart, analyze the words that are coming out of your mouth, how they might be impacting other people, and just insert the prayer on a regular basis. And as you feel led, to take a step of courage, along with compassion, to speak truth and love, especially when it comes to other, follower, other followers of Jesus. Don't hold that back. We are better 
because of having that deeper relationship. The truth of the message of the gospel is going to be amplified when we, as the body of Christ, band together, be together as a people, one and all the same. But I know that we are fractured. Even sitting in this room, there's so many of you and us that are not connected with others, truly. And it's not that you're going to be connected with everybody, but someone. In a way that you're able to have this love and care and speak truth that you're better because of that relationship. And so this morning, I want to invite you, as much as you can, try to drown out the noise and focus on God's love. Focus on who he is and who he says you are. And then out of that love, prayerfully, mindfully, analyze your heart and your words to respond back to him. If you guys are able, would you stand with me as we sing out this last bridge? Come on, let's, let us sing, so let all my heart, let all my life. So let all my life tell of who you are In the wonder of your never-ending love Let all my life tell of who you are That you're wonderful and such a good father Let all my life tell of who you are That you're wonderful and such a good father So help me, help me to love with open arms like you do A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you, even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. My prayer for us as a church is that we would grow in love, that we would make a difference in this community together that we would be marked by the way that we live our lives. The words and the ways of our lives would reflect Jesus. And others would be compelled to ask, why are you doing what you're doing? Because you respond in a way that is not like you, because it's like him. We have to face the things that are inside of us that are not right. And it's okay. There's no judgment or shame from me or us on, st on staff or the stage at all. Like it is meant to be that we are together, bonded together, and we need each other. I am broken myself. And I am only better when somebody cares enough for me to speak up for me in my life. And I want to invite you to do that. To build relationships this fall with one person or two people somewhere in your co-worker space, at home, 
Maybe it's being a part of a growth group where you're able to reflect the love of Jesus with your words and with the way that you live your life. Let's sing this one more time. Recognizing and loving God's, recognizing God's love for us and reflecting that back to others around us. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.